Welcome one and all to the greatest wrestling show on the planet as hosted by your wily veterans, Will Macklin and Braden Mayhew, as well as the next generation cohorts, The Beast from BC, Alec Miski, and the man they call Gibby, Zach McGibbon. This is Wrestling with the Welcome inside Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. I am the man they call Gibby, Zach McGibbon. I have nobody in studio with me right now. I am all alone. But on the line with me is not an interview. We have Will Macklin on the phone. Hey! <laughs> I wish I was my new uh, catchphrase. Hey, hey. Hey, hey! I think uh, soon that will be on uh, some uh, Wrestling With Ideas t-shirts. That yeah, there was, that's a shirt. Yeah, there's t-shirt. a new shirt oh, idea. Money. Yeah, we'll sell money. We'll we'll sell money. We'll sell T-shirts uh, with your with your. Sell it. Oh, you could. I mean, you could. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Um. So, we before we go into the raw review, which we usually do, uh, let's talk about this Brock Lesnar stuff. Cause yeah, this, what's up with that? Yeah, it is massive. No one saw it coming at all. Um, oh. I, I mean, uh, for those who have been living under a rock, uh, which was uh, stamped on by a building, which was had the sky falling down. Brock Lesnar is returning to UFC. He will be fighting at UFC 200. And uh, he's going to be facing Mark Hunt, who, uh, for all those MMA hardcore fans, he's known for his hard striking and his great takedown defense. Well, he's a Samoan, too. So he's a thicker skull, too, right? So he's he's a tough guy to beat. And there was other guys he thought that Brock would probably – go up against that were easier fights and Brock does not care. He just wants to fight anybody and this was the matchup everyone or I guess the UFC wanted and Brock said, I don't care who you give me, I'll fight them. And uh, there's been obviously we're going to talk about it from a wrestling side because we are a wrestling show last time I checked. Although oh, although last week we did have Dan Severin so I mean. You did? Really? Yeah. We, we, maybe, maybe we will be trans, trans uh, how, how do you say transferring into a UFC, uh, UFC show. I mean, yeah, I think I know way less about that. Yes, that's a perfect idea. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, no, but uh, the whole the whole deal is uh, what is this? How is this going to impact uh, Brock in WWE in terms of a storyline direction? Because if Mark Hunt beats Brock Lesnar, I fear that it's really going to impact uh, in terms of Brock Lesnar's drawing ability in WWE because they've really built him up as this unstoppable monster, and you know, I mean. It really could be very impactful to WWE's business, and I'm still very curious on to, as to why they would sign it off unless there was something in return for that. Well, think about what happened in WrestleMania. Remember, we all kind of complained about that Brock Lesnar Ambrose match. Yeah. Well, that was I think it was that was the the take give and take when they were talking uh, about the contract for Lesnar. Lesnar really wanted to have this one more match, kind of a one-off in uh, UFC. And it, and if you can see from that Ambrose match, it was kind of really fast, and it was yeah, it felt to bed up. It was not a hardcore match by any stretch of the imagination. And, and now we kind of see why, because Brock doesn't want to get hurt, and now he's been training since April. And so this has been caught, like done under wraps until, obviously, this past weekend. Yeah, and uh, did you hear, by the way, how uh, Lesnar got permission to fight at UFC. 
Yeah, what was it? It was something to do with the was Vince. The Vince and him were wrestling. Arm, arm wrestling. Yeah, he won That's an arm crazy. wrestling match. <laughs> I mean, you. I mean, Vince McMahon. In order to convince Vince McMahon that he should fight at UFC, uh, that being Brock Lesnar, you have an yeah. arm wrestling match. Man, that's the most leverage you can get on, on Vince, too. Like That's how you know he's for real. Unless, of course, the arm wrestling match was a work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it was all a work. <laughs> they, yeah, I thought they, so. I think, they, I think Vince did the job. But, yeah, I know it's such a funny funny thing about, uh, about this. And I, I don't, I, they're still under contract, but I think the idea of it is interesting. I mean, you get the crossover effect. I mean, Brock's been the biggest draw for the UFC still to this day. <laughs> and you're going to get us watching that card now, 200. I mean, 200 is already loaded with DC versus Jones, that's pound for pound. Um, uh, fight going now. It's for the light heavyweight championship. It's the second time they've been fighting. Um, all those fighting Frankie Edgar, and there's then then there's a rematch with the with the women as well. So then this is already a stacked card. Uh, there was uh, rumors of who's going to fill this spot. Everyone thought it was going to be CM Punk or it was going to be Diaz and McGregor, and then Brock out of nowhere, which has been obviously something that's been the last two or three months has been talked about. Mm-hmm. It's just it it really is mind blowing and. I'm- Still can't believe, you know, many days later that we're still that we're talking about this at all. Um, oh man, it's, it's still crazy to me. It's, like, it's, I think that think about it, even it helps. Does it help SummerSlam? Do you think? I mean, it, it could. I mean, you could you could tec- technically make the argument that UFC will def- will probably have to promote SummerSlam uh, during the pay per view, and uh, you know, I mean, th- that could get some people being like, "Oh, Brock is also fighting at SummerSlam." Wow, what a you know, what a modern day Bo Jackson, as he puts it. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is interesting though. Like, it, it, he kind of is. Obviously, Bo played two legitimate sports, you know, yeah. but it's uh, but he's obviously a freak athlete, like nothing we've ever seen before. And I think that depending on like, who do you want, I think the question is, we see Mark Hunt for uh, for the UFC, but who do you see? Brock fighting at SummerSlam a month later. And that's the big question. And a lot of rumors so far from what I've heard has been uh, Bray Wyatt. Uh, they finally, they're finally going to go back to that uh, Bray Wyatt feud that they were planning okay. around Royal Rumble. Um, you know, some people say maybe a Lesnar-Reigns rematch at SummerSlam. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, For but, the title? Or would you say Rollins would have it by then? I'd say Rollins would have it by then. Okay, but yeah, no, that's the thing. I don't know who you go with. Like, Bray's supposed to be rumored back pretty soon. Yeah. Um, I personally would like to see Kevin Owens right. versus Brock, but I think they're going to still kind of work this uh, work the feud with with Sammy. Yeah. Uh, Bray would be a good one, but I can't see Bray winning, and I think no. that's the problem here. Bray needs to, a few more wins going into SummerSlam if he wants to be a believable opponent for Brock. Oh, I absolutely agree, and. Uh, one of the things I I, I want to know is if they did a trade because there's still not you know clarity on how this was worked if Lesnar had a exclusivity uh, clause in his contract uh, right. or ra- or rather it was a deal worked with UFC and WWE if this was a deal worked between the two companies who would you think WWE would be getting back? You mean oh I'd probably go with Ronda right? Yeah. I, mean, that's I think my that's first who thought. they want. That's the draw now. I mean, Ronda lost, obviously. I think she has to get her win back before maybe she has that legitimacy back. But, I mean, there's not a lot of 
huge stars of the build. I mean, McGregor would be the other one, obviously. Becky Lynch has been flirting with that for a little bit. I mean, you can have your own Irish faction. You can have McGregor, Sheamus, Finn Balor, and Becky Lynch. That'd be awesome. But you know, so the, but. I think those are the only stars because I think right now the UFC, the big thing is that they've had a tough time the last couple of years developing their own stars. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Brock did it themselves. McGregor was his self-proclaimed. I mean, Silva's so old now. Uh, it's it's tough. And, I mean, it, what are you going to do now with, with the WWE who's kind of doing that? on the other side of the coin with NXT and, and developing their own stars. Yeah, and and, and that's going to be an interesting uh, topic uh, for UFC as well. Um, and uh, I, I totally agree. I mean, Ronda Rousey seems to me like the first pick uh, in my mind, um, mm-hmm. but rumors have started uh, spreading that uh, there's a UFC f- fighter, women's fighter named Paige Van Zant. And uh, yep. she's she's rumored to be showing up at SummerSlam with other uh, member uh, female members of the UFC roster, um, and that could set up something uh, later on. And uh, another thing too is the deal had already been worked out to have Ronda appear, uh, Ronda Rousey appear at WrestleMania 31 last year, and Brock going over to the UFC was them finishing the deal. And yeah, so, so that maybe it's closed. Maybe no one's coming over at all. Yeah, and and if that's the case, then I think WWE's kind of screwed in the end. Um, Yes and no, but they still get to keep Brock. The only problem with this whole situation is if Brock loses within like like a minute or something, you know, that's the huge problem. You can't have this guy built as a huge legitimate star and then lose 10 seconds in legit sport Mm -hmm. and then fight the next month and beat Bray Wyatt. How does that make Bray look, you know? Exactly. It's just like an interesting thing. So that's the gamble here. But Brock says he's the healthiest he's ever been. He said he was even sick the whole time he was in the UFC. He only fought a handful of fights, too. I think he's only like six or seven fights. So it's, it's interesting going in. Now he feels like he can, but Mark has been... I mean, Mark's been in the UFC for a long time now. Yeah. He's ready. He's a clobberer, man. He's the, he's the king of the walk-away knockout, you know? So mm-hmm. it, this is going to be a, out, like a brawl for sure. Yeah, it is going to be a very interesting fight to uh, look at indeed. Uh, with that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to go over uh, last night's Raw, of course, as of this recording. And uh, a lot of stuff happened on that Raw. A lot of good, a lot of bad, and I'm I mean a lot of bad. Stuff. A lot of weird stuff, a lot of Teddy Lawn, a lot of different yeah. things. Uh, but stay tuned for that. You're listening to Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9. Ottawa's new music. And we're back. And let's go over the Monday Night Raw, which was, uh, let's just say, interesting uh, to watch. Now, before, before we before we even go into Raw, Will, uh, what were your overall thoughts on the show? I thought it was inconsistent. I thought there was some aspect that I liked about it. I mean, I liked the uh, Ambrose KO match. You know, I always like seeing those two guys go at it. Um, I was into the Cesaro Chris Jericho match. I mean, there was things, elements that I liked about it. But then there was other. I mean, I like Del Rio. His name was cool too. I mean, obviously you got the Money in the Bank whole thing. It's cool to see, but. The other stuff is, is super weird, too, and, and, I, and I want you to go into it. I like the John Cena, AJ Styles stuff a little bit, but, like, Lucy Jack Swagger, I was super into, yep. you know, and, 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 but, yeah, very inconsistent show. Yeah, and uh, the, we're ju- we'll just go over some of the main highlights from this show. Uh, the opening was definitely 
something to behold. Uh, we had the six the six uh, men sitting on ladders. Uh, of course, uh, Cesaro, Del Rio, Owens, Jericho, Zane, uh, and Ambrose. And uh, I thought the exchange between these guys was actually pretty good and pretty funny. Uh, Jericho, to me, has, be, has been the MVP of this feud. Uh, and then Owens, because I've just been enjoying Jericho's promo work recently. I love I love YTJ, what he's doing. I mean, like, this is what Miz tries to be so badly, is this type of character, what yeah. uh, Y2J is doing, and Y2J is just killing it right now. And then he's, he's been uh, he's been the man, and I, KO does everything. I think, for my money, I think Kevin Owens has been the best heel in the yeah. last few months, and best worker. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this is, they've been the, the shining stars of this uh, Money in the Bank thing, but visually, <clears throat> this Money in the Bank intro looks so weird. I mean, yeah. they're all just sitting on the ladders and talking. It's like it could be like a network show on, yeah. you know, on WWE, like talking on ladders. It's like driving in a car, table <laughs> for three, talking on ladders, and there's a briefcase in the middle of us and stuff. It's like new way to talk to other wrestlers. It's such a weird thing, but I don't know if that's, if that's what it's, you're into, I suppose. But you don't yeah. need the ladders there per se, but it is, I guess it's like a round table or round ladder thing. It's too yeah. broad. Uh, what was uh, what was uh, Edge's show that he used to do? I think it was called the Cutting Edge, and then yeah, he used to. Edge, yeah. This is what it reminded me of uh, <laughs> when 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 this opened. It was it felt like some sort of round table uh, Cutting Edge show that we were watching here. Yeah, definitely. We should have been like Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels talking about the first ladder match, or like the Hardy Boys and and, uh, and ladders the for Boys six and the Edge and Christian talking about the. You know, that's what it seems like to me. Like that's there's a network show. No, this yeah. is how they would do it. Yeah, it's you, you got you got you got tables uh, table for three. You got ladder for six in this one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a silly concept. Like, who's, I don't know. It's just a weird thing visually. It's just so odd. Yeah. Like, how am I supposed to look at this and be like, "Yep, that's real." <laughs> <laughs> this know? is professional wrestling at its what, fun. I was thinking about the pitch. That's what I said. It's, yeah, there's like uh, six of them, right? Yeah. yeah, but we get six ladders. Yes. <laughs> so odd. It, it, it was very weird, and it was made even weirder when Teddy Lawn made his big return. That came out so of nowhere. What was the point of Teddy Lawn? Was they made a decision on that? I, 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 I don't know. I mean, it's well, like, like what was he for uh, for story wise, like storyline wise. He he wanted he he came out and said that he wanted control of SmackDown ever since hearing that it was going live on Tuesday. Okay, so maybe that's the promotion. For yeah, it? it's it was it was essentially to promote SmackDown, and uh, it's it it was essentially to promote SmackDown. That's really <laughs> there's really nothing else to it. Um, of course, well, you interviewed Teddy Long. Too. Yeah, I'm just gonna say, quick plug. We interviewed Teddy Long, and funny enough, uh, as soon as that. Uh, as soon as Teddy Lawn showed up, we had a spike in downloads for the interview with Teddy Lawn, funny enough. Oh, that's uh, perfect. Yeah, so uh, that that was interesting stuff. Again, thanks to everybody who downloaded that interview. Were you super weirded out that he did not make a six-man tag he, right away? He, he, didn't he announce it was a disqualification match or something like that? Oh, yeah, something like that, yeah. He, he, that like was... he botched his lines, and he's like, we're going to make this a disqualification match. Yeah, that's. Well, what you did all the time, Teddy. Yeah. Figure it out, bro. <laughs> yeah. You're going to go six now, on one with The Undertaker, and you're going to have a tag team match. It just, it, it was very mind boggling. And of course, Stephanie McMahon came out 
And uh, she was the heel this week. She had been babyface for a couple of weeks in the past. This week she was heel, just full-out heel. Uh, no, consistency, no consistency at all. Uh, yeah, that's what we're into, though. Yeah, uh, especially when we're still trying to figure out this seventh man for the uh, Money in the Bank ladder match. Yeah, well, how about, but the best part of this whole thing was Elijah J calling Teddy Long a bag of bones and a stupid idiot. Yes. I, <laughs> I will, calling is my favorite. I will, I will happily buy a stupid idiot shirt if Chris Jericho wasn't a heel. I would happily buy one. No, really? Yeah, I would. I, I'll you have, would, if you, does he not have a, does he not have a t- shirt on right now? I, well, of course I've got a shirt on right now. No, does he not have a shirt that's well, for sale right now? Oh, well, he never has a shirt on. He, he always has that suit jacket and a scarf. I meant his shirt for sale on shop right now. Could you buy a shirt for me? Oh, no, there's no Jericho shirts on sale. That's classic. Oh, really? Maybe that's guess, that's maybe classic Jericho, though. I mean, Jericho Jericho has stated that he never wants to sell, uh, he never wants to sell shirts as a heel. That's how dedicated to his uh, character he is. Which uh, well, well, that's why I'll never buy a Fozzie shirt. Oh boy! Well, we're not getting Chris Jericho on wrestling with ideas anytime soon. <laughs> I'm for sure because he's not listening to this. So. <laughs> well, no, I mean that's a fact. Um, but uh, well, Teddy Long dancing to Stephanie's music was pretty amazing as well. Oh, uh, Teddy Long calling Stephanie McMahon her baby girl. Oh, brilliant! Oh, that was great. That was uh, classic Teddy. Um, you know, it's funny because you see him like dancing to his theme song and all that. And yeah, uh, I'll so tell you, Steph. I'll tell you this: when we called over to Teddy to do the interview, mm-hmm. like as soon as I saw what was going on, I figured that is exactly what Teddy Lawn is in real life, actually. Because yeah. when you when you call over to uh, Teddy Lawn, uh, when he puts you on hold, it's his theme music. It's his. It's. I, I'm not even kidding. It's his theme music. It's so great. Like, That's brilliant. He's so he, he is brilliant. It's really, <laughs> it's it was really astounding. He he really is essentially living the gimmick. Um, and uh, Best referee of all time. Oh yes, definitely, oh, greatest <laughs> WWF referee ever. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, let's let's talk about Jack Swagger and Rusev. Okay, you're calling this a highlight. All right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this this is interesting for Rusev. Uh, the match uh, that is expected at Money in the Bank looks like it's going to be uh, Rusev, Jack Swagger, and Titus O'Neil. Well, yeah, because was Titus on commentary? Uh, Titus was on commentary. As well. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Okay. so I, That's how memorable he was on commentary, by the way. So you remember Rusev or Swagger when Rusev had the U.S. title, right? Uh, yes. I, and you know, Swagger let down America yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah. And no one cared that he lost. Yeah. He's getting one more chance at redemption. So to, the, to the course of no one. How did you get behind a guy like Swagger? I'm surprised he got cut. Or not, he didn't get cut during the, during the releases, man. I was surprised, too. I was waiting for Swagger's name to be put on there. He definitely, and, and no offense to Swagger at all, because I'm sure he's a nice guy, but uh, Swagger. Wow, you really want him on the show, right? Eh? I, I really do. I really do. Um, <laughs> I, I, but you, you can't tell me that Sandow deserved to be released more than Jack Swagger. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's just. Like, or any of them, really. <laughs> I think Swagger, if I was to release anyone, it would be Swagger first. <laughs> really? You wouldn't yeah, release dude. Alex Riley first or Cameron first or. Or well, Riley was fine because I thought he was just a good hand at NXT, you mm-hmm. know. 
I was fine with him. Mm-hmm. So and I was okay with Bold MC. You know these guys are cool. Like yeah, but Swagger had his chance. I feel like yeah. I mean he was and a world I, heavyweight champion. Be, exactly. I think he'd be okay in the Indies too. You know. So I think right now I don't know what's happening. I don't know who he's friends with down there, but it's just super odd that they're leaving him in. But anyway, this feud I don't care about. It feels like it's just another filler feud. Yeah, I mean. I think it's just going to build off of Rusev's uh, new dominance that he somehow established in the past couple of weeks. Um, and again, I, Rusev's going to win, keep the title at uh, Money in the Bank unless WWE wants to swerve us by giving it to Titus O'Neil just to show that they care and that they're not letting the Vince McMahon thing, you know, halt his push or whatever. Um, That'd be super cool. I mean, I'd be cool with Titus being champion, but... The way he's being built up right now, I don't see it. What's his gimmick right now? Hurra, 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 hurra. That's his gimmick. Still to this day? Still to this day. I don't know like what his gimmick is. At least, what's the name of tag partner? Um, Darren Young. Uh, yeah, he's got... He's got Bob Backlund. Uh, yeah, he's got a gimmick going. Yeah. You know, he's actually trying to get over with something different. Yeah. But Titus just makes noises. Hurra, 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 hurra. Yeah, it's super odd. I don't understand why... He wouldn't try something more other than being just like good at being a dad. I, I yeah I know I mean instead of hurrah hurrah how about haru haru maybe that will change it up. <laughs> I, can, up. I think that's like a, that's just a, enough of a change in his gimmick to get him over. I think. Yeah, I, I really do think so as well. I can see the T-shirts right now. Haru haru. Oh, <laughs> oh that'd be great. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, Let's uh, go into uh, one more uh, matchup here, and then we'll take a quick commercial break. Uh, Enzo Amore and Big Cass versus the Vaudevillains. Uh, the one I want to talk about here was the spot that they did uh, to uh, Enzo, I believe. Uh, right. To, and it was the same spot that gave Enzo uh, the concussion. Uh, right. I, I don't know about you, but I, I cringed, and I wasn't really... Happy to see that, but in a way, it's kind of creates some sort of creative spark in this uh, potential because I believe now it's a fatal four-way tag match at Money in the Bank. Right. So I guess it creates some heat to for this fatal four-way tag match. I'm I just feel like it's a little risky considering that the guy had a very serious concussion uh, from that same from that maneuver. S- yeah, from that same maneuver a month ago. Not even like you know a year ago or anything like that, but a month ago. You know how the WWE is when they like to oversaturate things from real to fake. You know, so like that's I understand. What I think what hurts them here is that they're making Enzo seem so weak. Mm-hmm. Or are they trying to build Cass? I feel like they're trying to build Cass to be this monster. Obviously, there was the disqualification because he freaked out and he was super pissed off about them throwing Enzo that same move, trying to hurt him again. And he goes overboard and they disqualify him. But I don't think it, hey, it works against them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're super over. Yeah. It's hard to hurt their value right now. Mm-hmm. But. I think it hurts Cat. I mean Enzo as being kind of the weak guy. Yeah, no, like, he's going to take all the pins if they lose. Mm-hmm. He's going to take all. Yeah, they're protecting Cass a lot right now, and I think it's it's super weird dynamic where they should give him a little bit more offense than have to take all the all the punches. Exactly, and 
it, it, it really is. I, I agree with you on that. And, and it looks like they're starting to set up a big cast for some sort of singles run. Um, not after now, this. no. Not now, but like... Years to come. Well, yeah, but it's like it's kind of like the same thing they did with Reigns when he was part of the Shield when it was slowly starting to deteriorate. They started giving him the big spots to try and get him over and look at how that well... Uh, and yeah, but the thing is, they, these guys are so... Oh, sorry, I didn't swear there. That was just my phone. Um, the, it's so weird that you would have cast be built like they're, they're too hot right now they get so many views on youtube yep and it's just insane like they're the most over right i think the right now another reason why i watch honestly i don't watch smackdown but i watch smackdown because of them really? you know whoever this brand split happens i'm like this is the other reason why I'm, why I'm watching because of them and the bullet club essentially right now and uh, ko and sammy <laughs> but uh, that's, those are essentially the three reasons it's like back in 2011 i was only watching for for punk, you know, you know, I was only watching certain things were tough to pick at a three-hour show, but I, I mean, that's why I'm watching. It's these guys. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, with that, we're going to take another quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the club and John Cena segment, which has the entire internet buzzing. When you know when you get the internet buzzing, it's a good one. Um, and we'll also talk about their uh, match later on, the club versus the New Day, which was a good match. And all things, all of that and more here on Wrestling With Ideas on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. <laughs> and we're back! What? And we're back! And we're back! And yeah, we're back! Yeah, we are back. And we're back! Thanks for cutting me off, Will. <laughs> we are back! I'm a stealer, man. I miss hosting this show, you know, and uh, giving it to you, I actually regret it. Oh, yeah, you do? No, no, no. I'm happy that you you've done actually a lot with this uh, with this show, man, more than I ever did. I just kind of got it off the ground floor and handed it to you, and you took the reins, <laughs> Roman reins, and you <laughs> made it look strong, which is which is all I can ask for. So you you've done a really good job. I'm pretty proud of you, man. I'm a- amazing how quickly you acted like Big Show there, going from a heel to a face just like that. Just I mean, I, I have the crowd the, um, wrapped around my finger, man. I'm like cats, <laughs> you know. Uh, absolutely. Um, so let's talk about the club. Let's uh, let's talk about them. Let's talk about what AJ Styles said to John Cena, saying that guys like him bury guys like AJ Styles. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. And all the internet had a simultaneous orgasm over that. Did they really? Yes, they did. You could hear well, it. Well, was it just your Twitter highlight? Oh, uh, well, my, my Twitter was having an orgasm. It was... <laughs> It was, and uh, I did hear a call from the uh, Titan Towers back in Stanford, Connecticut, who that, yeah. uh, really enjoyed this. Um, I thought this was a great promo. I like mm-hmm. both these guys. Uh, Cena, you know, he was Cena. Um, but uh, I think I thought Styles really stepped up his uh, promo game here. Styles, to me, never seemed like a guy who was very strong at promos. But in this situation here, I thought he was quite good. You know why? Because this is seems real you know it seems real to him because mm-hmm. that's, that's what it's like his, his whole life i mean when he's hasn't been in the wwe when he was traveling all over the world um he was scared of these kind of not scared but he worried about like guys like cena who buries these dudes because uh they're the man and i think i mean cena doesn't do that anymore we've seen that in the past year with the u.s title and all that stuff but yeah. um this seems more like a realistic storyline, which is when AJ said that, that's why the internet did go go do the orgasm thing, because that was 
that was a huge line, and it got, and it got him over as a heel, and 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 you kind of understand why he thinks Cena's the bad guy. I mean, Owens did the same thing when he did his feud with Cena. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I totally see that. Um, and uh, the only thing with the burying line is, uh, I, I obviously, if you're not into, the, if you're if you're into the backstage stuff, this is an awesome line. But in terms of yeah. kayfabe wise, what does he actually mean by seeing a burying guys like AJ? When you really think about it, does he mean like? No, it's true. I mean, I mean, what, is it is it him trying to say Cena takes down guys like AJ because that doesn't make AJ seem like a strong competitor? Um, again, it's just a little nitpick because I I knew exactly what AJ was trying to say, um, and I and and it was obviously directed for the internet fans. Um, yeah, but well, because think about casual fan and maybe they don't even know the the term Barry, right? So yeah. and, and wrestling and talk, but. I think it just means like when you think things get buried with everyone who anyone who faces Cena loses eventually, right? They lose the the, the rivalry all every time almost. Like look at Bray, uh, KO went two one um, or one two rather, and then like so it's it's that interesting. Whenever you get to it's he's the brick wall, right? Having to Rusev, you know, mm-hmm. after his huge run, so it's that. It's that interesting thing where that happens, but it's not like AJ's been on a huge run and going into Cena and like getting a lot of wins. He's just really over with the with the crowd. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I'm interested to see uh, after Money in the Bank because we do have the club getting involved with the tag title scene. A really good way for the club to really get some momentum out of this is if Styles beats Cena at Money in the Bank, which is actually a pretty good uh, chance that that could happen. And yeah. uh, and then you could have Gallows and Anderson take the titles off of New Day, and you could really build up this stable as the next big you know stable to dominate uh, WWE. And uh, for all the Shield fans, if uh, Ambrose wins Money in the Bank and uh, maybe he gets himself into a triple threat with, uh, with uh, Reigns and Rollins at uh, SummerSlam, and then somehow the club get involved in the main event scene. You never know, man. You ne- you really never know. It could no, be club I versus sure. well, I want to get your impression. Of what do you think of the the club so far? Like the two Gallows and Anderson, how they've been booked so far coming into uh, the WWE. So far, from what I've seen from them, they seem pretty average. I never. They don't. They don't seem pretty. Is that them or is that the booking? Oh, it's the booking. It's the booking by far. Um. I, I was never really that big of a... I mean, Anderson is clearly the superior worker to Gallows. I think that's made pretty yeah. clear. Um, I don't think Gallows is as good as people are making him out to be. Not to say he's bad or anything like that, but mm-hmm. I think it helps that he's got a capable worker in Carl Anderson that can really you know light it up in the ring. Um, but so far, they've just been portrayed as another tag team. And yeah, and and that's not good for them because obviously they were such they were part of a huge huge stable in Japan. And what stable was that? Uh, I think it was called the Bullet Club. That's what they're oh, called. All right, the, really the Bullet Club. Yeah, I mean, I, it um, kind of rings a bell to me, but it, but it, <laughs> I don't. No, I just think they got to put together a couple more wins. Like that's the whole thing with me. They're so hot coming out of Japan, right? Like I don't understand. Well, I they they do something like this, but then they think about it like, oh yeah, they're not your guys. I mean, they made a name for themselves outside of your company. They protected the Usos initially when they first started. So this is really 
It's been really crappy because we see this every time when, when the guys who were not produced by the WWE get buried just as we saw with Sting. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, boy, you know what I think will fix that uh, booking problem right away, Will Macklin? What's that? Uh, Usos versus Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. I really think that can really get them out of the funk. Oh, boy. I think, I, I think that can really you, get them out. You are like a mark for the WWE. Yeah, yeah. I really am. But, uh, like, if they take if they honestly get, a, like, a clean win over New Day, that's a, that's a way to the top to get them over. And if, even Styles, if he wins, like, an IC title or something stupid, and or Balor wins, like, the U.S. title or something, you know, like that. Like, it's just... Get them, get them together to this huge winning every title faction, and then they can get over. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see, again, where they go with uh, you know the club and where Balor fits into all of this. Uh, there are rumors yeah. that they want to add a member, uh, another member to the club, and the rumors could be either uh, Joe or Balor. Um, Samoa Joe, no, funny enough. Joe. I know it's kind of weird, but that's apparently the rumor going around right now is that they're considering either having Samoa Joe or Finn Balor join the club, which no, sounds ridiculous. Make more sense is Joe going with the Usos and Roman with the Samoans? The Roman Empire, and then, and then you do Balor Bullet Club, and then you do like the eight man tag, the Samoans versus. The that could be a club. that could be a really good Survivor Series matchup. Totally. That could be a very good Yeah, and it's and it is in Toronto. You got tickets for that, by the way. I don't actually, unfortunately. Ah, I I I'm hoping to get some tickets. Maybe we'll see. Oh uh, really? Yeah, we'll see. Maybe I don't, I don't know. Maybe I may be. Oh, that would be amazing. But I, I don't know. That's a, what's the last time uh, there was a Canadian pay per view? I can't even think of it. Uh Canadian pay per view. Um. Well, I guess uh, does Roadblock count? Nope, that's for sure. A network special, you big old dope. Um, then uh, I think the last Canadian pay-per-view they did was Montreal. I think it was actually Survivor Series in Montreal, 97. 97? No Maybe. way. Well, definitely the last Canadian Survivor Series. For sure. But uh, I mean, like, I'm trying to that'd think. That's crazy. I know WCW did a bunch. I mean, because they've done, they did, they did Toronto by WrestleMania 18. I'm good. I'm going to search this up now because now it's now it's on my mind and I need to. Okay, not a problem. But yeah, no, I, I it, it, that's that's really cool. But yeah, I think that they should do maybe something like that. That's just a fantasy booking that I thought of between the Samoans and, and the club. But I really want to get your opinion on them being called the club. Do you think they'll be advanced to something else, or the club oh, no. is what they're going to go with because of the PG era? Oh, they're they're sticking with the club. I don't see them changing. Uh, I don't see them going Bullet Club or Mullet Club or, you know, all that jazz. I see them sticking with the club because, you know, not creative enough. You wouldn't go Balor Club? No, I mean, if if Balor obviously joins the group, I could see that, but... Oh, I just figured it out. Here we go. So the last uh, Canadian pay-per-view was in 2009, and it it was Breaking Point at the Bell Center. And the main event was CM Punk versus The Undertaker. What? It was a SmackDown special? Uh, maybe. I don't know if they were still doing those SmackDown specials at that time. I bet uh, you it is. It featured talent from the Raw, SmackDown, and ECW brands. Oh, maybe they were doing a super show. Ooh. That's what they, do. they were doing SmackDown-only pay-per-views, and they were the worst, right? Yes. Oh, they and, were. Uh, do you think they'll do that with the brand split again? 
I think they'll try. Um, what? I, I think I really do think they will. Um, they've they've enjoyed the live uh, the live specials, and I think those are just good. You know, I think it's a good way for people to subscribe to the network. Um, but I, I don't know. They, maybe they'll have different plans. I'm looking at this card, by the way, for Breaking Point. Uh, okay. I'm watching the network today. Uh, so the opening match uh, was not uh, the big dog Roman Reigns in the background. Um, it was it was Evan Bourne defeating Chavo Guerrero in a dark match in the opener. What? Uh, the actual opening match was Jerry Show, Chris Jericho, and Big Show defeating the world's strongest tag team with Montel, Vontavious Porter, and Mark Henry for the United Fit Unified Tag Team Championship. Amazing. Uh, Kofi Kingston defeating The Miz for the United States Championship. Well, that's good. Uh, Legacy versus DX in a Submissions Count Anywhere match. Brilliant. Montreal gets all the best cards. Uh, Kane defeating The Great Khali in a Singapore Kane match. What? There's a, there's a pay-per-view quality card. Oh my God! I want to see that now. Uh, I'm thinking which tonight is Takeover. So tomorrow's Takeover. Well, tonight, of course, when this is. Oh, okay. Thanks for breaking the illusion. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We're. Right. I didn't know we were um, keeping kayfabe. I didn't know you were keeping kayfabe. We're in kayfabe mode, man. We're sorry. This is Thursday night. It's, it's on tonight. <laughs> at, at whatever. It's on right now. What's the, what time is it there? At will the show air? Uh, five o'clock. Okay, so we got we got totally quickly preview takeover. What are your thoughts? Oh, I'm super. I'm I'm really looking forward to this card. I, I really. Okay. Am. Uh, there, that's no it. fan who's like, you know what? Not a fan of NXT. <laughs> I think it might be the worst part about WWE. Wow. <laughs> who's saying that? Good good thought though, Zachary. Uh, Make uh, sure your hot take on the NXT <laughs> takeover card. I get it. You know, all right. I, I like it. I like it. I think it's a good idea. It's a it's a good card. I I like the card. Um, Only four. Was it four? matches right now on it uh yes it's the steel cage match between balor and uh joe yeah are you super into that it's called take it's called take over the end yeah it's the end of the balor and joe feud it's not the end or of NXT. is it the end of nxt it is not the end of nxt no it is not are you sure maybe i am no? i am 99.99999 percent <laughs> sure that this is not the end of nxt that would be the stupidest decision that wwe has made in the past five years and i'm not I even kidding uh now is the cage yellow if it's yellow i'm marking out but i think it'll be black <laughs> oh what i think it'll be I black know. i really wanted to be yellow maybe really, maybe black and yellow. Head, I wanted to be yellow maybe like a bumblebee style yeah, well, Samoa Joe, though, you have Samoa Joe taking it? Uh, yeah, I, I've got Joe retaining. Uh, but I will say, whoever loses the match is getting called up to the main roster. That's what I'm saying. Okay, sounds good. I think that's why the end part is it. Um, <sighs> Finn Balor's first ever cage match, by the way. Yes. Which like, is, as uh, a wrestler, even when he was Prince Devitt. Yeah, that, that's what I found interesting, too. So it'll be interesting to see how he works that match, considering he has not done a steel cage match. I think he'll. I think he does a spot off the cage. You think he'll do the uh, top of the cage foot stomp? Um, I don't know if he'll do that. Maybe a cross body, perhaps. But yeah, I think he's gonna yeah. like fake like he's leaving, and then like, oh, I don't care. I'm gonna jump on Samoa because this is a match. The entire wrestling. island of Samoa will. He's gonna yeah. jump on the entire island of Samoa. Yeah, he's gonna go to Samoa. <laughs> um, second match, or not second match, but the other match, uh, American Alpha versus the Revival. 
I'm super looking forward to that matchup. Um, I again, they had a great match at NXT Takeover Dallas. Um, yeah. If you're an old school wrestling fan, I think you'll really like uh, this matchup. Um, and uh, I, I again, I think American Alpha is retained in here. Uh, yeah, I think they like him to keep the to keep the straps for them. Yeah, uh, this revival they ain't called up. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think they're gonna keep American Alpha down in NXT a little bit longer. Um, but there is always the possibility, you know, that they call them up for the brand split, which is, you know, it, honestly, in all likelihood, that could happen. Uh, yeah. Uh, and and the rival and the revival too. I do see them getting called up to uh, the main roster. I don't think they'll be as strong as they were uh, in NXT when they go to the main roster, unfortunately. Because uh, I think the revival will be better response to a like a, a, a raw or smackdown crowd than american alpha will i think it's gonna be american alpha has that nxt only feel to me unfortunately like i love them but I, I feel i feel the opposite actually i feel revival has that nxt feel for me and american alpha could really get over with a uh raw and smackdown crowd oh really well maybe we should do a little bet on this uh, you want to do a bet are we doing this yeah. live on the air yeah sure we well, will let's do I don't even know what we should bet on. We'll do a, a dinner or something or right. whatever. Uh, we'll do something like that. Fine. Uh, but I say, yeah, I, I would say this. I don't know how we're going to give the time limit. Give it like a four-month time limit, six-month time limit for when they get called up. We'll yeah. see who's the more over tag team. All right. I, I, I do think American Alpha will be the more over tag team than the Revival. I think they'll and be just you like are, Revival. You will be wrong, sir. All right. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> okay. Asuka versus Nia Jax. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think this will be awesome. I don't know. Jackson really get well against Bailey at uh, Takeover Dallas. Not Dallas. Uh, Takeover London. Yep. But this match will all be Asuka. I think she's going to be the face of NXT Women for a while now. I think yep. she'll try to keep that kind of like what Bailey was. She's going to have another rematch with Bailey, and then Bailey's going to get kicked called up. Yep. And then Nia Jax will get her rematch somewhere, and then um, she'll take it. Uh, probably down maybe but not at the end of the year, the start of next year. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. I, uh, I'm looking forward to this one. Um, Nia Jax seemed kind of green still to me. Uh, again, mm-hmm. it is NXT. It is a developmental territory at the end of the day. Um, yeah. But uh, I think Asuka is going to bring the best in uh, Nia Jax. Um, and and I'm re- I am looking forward to this match. I think it's going to be a hard-hitting matchup between both these two. Um, mm-hmm. Asuka is going to retain. Um and uh, yeah. it'll set up the uh, Bailey and Oscar rematch at uh, Takeover Brooklyn, uh, which is uh, still on, by the way. So uh, yeah, that'll be interesting to look at. And uh, yeah, it should be uh, it should be an interesting matchup. Um, and uh, let's uh, go over the debut of uh, Manny Andrade. Uh, I don't know what his new name is. I think it's like Andrade Cien's something. Almas. Uh, I'm not too sure. Uh, but, but he's uh, up against Ty Dillinger. Yes. Uh, who is very much underappreciated on that roster right now. Niagara Falls. Yes, uh, uh, Canadian. I, I'm trying to remember where he was taught, but he was taught by a he was taught by a Lance Storm, actually, I believe. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so uh, I mean he's a good he's a he's a good wrestler. And uh, they've put him in the spot where they want to get their guys to debut to look really good. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how how this uh, matchup's going to be? Uh, Triple H was on a call recently, I think actually uh, on Tuesday, um, and uh, he said that uh, <clears throat> he said that uh, 
Manny Andrade is going to be uh, a guy to look for. He's going to be a major star, he said. Okay. So uh, I'm interested to see. They've always wanted to find that top Latino star uh, in WWE, and they mm-hmm. obviously didn't get that with uh, <clears throat> Del Rio, or uh, and Mysterio's been gone for a while, and Cara was definitely not uh, what they wanted. And Kalisto doesn't seem to be that guy. Well, I think I like Kalisto. I don't know why they split up Cigar and Kalisto. I think they were doing really well in tag team division. I know they liked him as a singles guy, but I think it was a mistake splitting that team up. But yeah, anyway, this I, I, I like that they. I, I like this last time. I haven't heard much about um, uh, Andrea, but I, I hope he does well here. I mean, Ty seems to be that hand now in NXT, mm-hmm. similar to what um, the Drifter is, Elias, and and, and kind of what. Um, what we saw from Alex Riley, but uh, which is kind of sad. But I think that uh, this should be a good match. Ty is a good worker. I mean, he put on a good match with Nakamura as well. Yeah, and uh, so it's going to be uh, interesting. One, of course, uh, his his name actually is Andrade Cien Almas. Uh, which, Almas, is, yeah, okay. which is uh, a little longer of a name. They may go with the ACA or something like that. I don't know. Well, I think they'll make go even though you know how WWE is. They just they like to keep them at one names anyway. So, so Andre like eventually or, should he'll just be CN or something yeah. like that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know what? It's funny because that is definitely a possibility that could happen. Um, totally. But I bet you Sam will get the the win on the debut for sure. He he, he definitely will. Um, and so uh, we'll see how that uh, CML, CMLL background handles uh, for him. Uh, is there any other uh, announced matches on this uh, table? Yeah, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Austin Aries. Oh, yeah, that match. That is going to be an awesome match. I really am. Okay, yeah, okay. Seems like you like every match on this card there, Zach. Okay, yeah, obviously this match is going to be amazing, but I think the twist here is Austin turns full-pledged heel. You, you think a full heel turn for Austin Aries? Definitely. And I think we see a Bobby Roode interesting kind of dynamic. Because he hasn't has he even shown up on NXT yet? Nope, not yet. Yeah, I think that this is the night that he does it tomorrow. I'm going to say uh, Dirty Heels as well will uh, somehow make an appearance. Uh, I agree with you. I think uh, Aries is going to go do a full heel turn. I think we'll see Bobby Roode out there. And uh, eventually down the line, I do see a Bobby Roode versus Shinsuke Nakamura match. Uh, and NXT, oh which would be awesome. I would absolutely love to see that match. Um, yeah. And so uh, I, I agree with everything you said there. I can't disagree at all with that. Um, Nakamura is going to be awesome because Nakamura oh, is awesome. Um, and uh, I, again, really looking forward to this match. I'm not much else to say. Um, I was going to say one little thing with NXT rumors, uh, Roderick Strong and Moose's contracts with ROH is coming up. Yeah. Uh, they'll both fight at Best in the World this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on those two guys maybe coming over? Well, uh, in terms of... Uh, I'll wait for your dog to stop barking. It's not my dog. It's my neighbor. I'm outside. All right. Uh, the, the big dog in the yard. That's right. In terms of Roddy coming over, I'm a little disappointed about, only because I don't think Roddy would translate well in a WWE environment. I think his, I think his sort of wrestling style is unique to him. Um, I love Roddy, don't get me wrong, but I don't know if he'll translate well with uh, WWE. Um, Moose, I think, will definitely be a perfect fit for them. Uh I just, uh, I again, I, I think Roddy's going to resign, honestly, with Reign of Honor. 
Because I think he's, I think he can make way more money on the independent scene uh, than he would be able to in WWE. And I think it's just too much of a risk of Roddy going over to NXT. I mean, NXT will treat him like a big star, but it's the the fact of going to uh, the main roster and how they would treat him there. And I don't see that translating well to a main roster WWE run. So I think Roddy should uh, stick with Reign of Honor. Um, he's over there. He makes good money on the indies. I think Moose is definitely a guy that can translate well with WWE. Again, he'll be a big star uh, when he goes over there. Um, and, 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 and I think it'll eventually happen because WWE has Moose very high on their radar. Um, so th those are my thoughts on that. What about you, Will? What do you think about Roddy and Moose going over to uh, WWE? Um, I like Roddy a lot. Um, I've, I've just never been super huge with him thinking that he could go over to WWE and excel. I like him just being NXT, almost like we were talking about Ty Dillinger, maybe kind of being that guy, <laughs> almost <laughs> NXT forever. I mean, he's had amazing matches, amazing Nakamura match, Global Wars 2, uh, amazing match with uh, Zack Sabre Jr., uh, Evolve 45. I mean, he's had tons of matches that are amazing. This, this month he has a three-way with, with Adam Cole and Colt Cabana. Uh, for the number one contendership, so I mean he's he's had a lot of matches under his belt that are just are fun to watch. The um, so Jay Lethal match was kind of underwhelming, but other than that, he's been uh, he's been super fun to watch. And I, I I'm just afraid that he'll be an NXT guy forever. Uh, Moose, though, you're right. Um, I'm afraid that they might mess around with him too too much. I mean, look what they've done with. Uh, I hate to be say this, but not a racial thing, but what they do with the people of color, I mean, look what they've done with, with Titus O'Neil, look what they've done with uh, Apollo Crews. Like, they, they kind of get lost. They don't know they, the, who they who they are. Or they don't know what to do with them. And I think Moose is something who already has that gimmick, and he can kind of go in because he's been losing a lot on ROH as well. So I, I, I kind of ho I hope they do well with them. But Moose, needs. I think he's been really good. He was super green when he came in ROH. You remember that, right? Yeah. Very, but very, very green. Right now, he's he's he could be ready to go in, uh, but NXT is for sure the place to go for him for develop for developmental. Um, and uh, another uh, last bit of news about NXT. Uh, I don't know if you know this superstar, uh, but he is internationally renowned. He is known for his wrestle wrestling in uh, progress, uh, and, it, and especially in the Europe scene, uh, WXW in Germany. Uh, Tommy End. He oh, is yeah. he is rumored to have signed a uh, contract with NXT. Um, if you don't know who Tommy End is, uh, check out one of the recent PWG shows he was in uh, Chris with Hero. Chris Hero. What a fantastic yeah. match that was. Um, if not, just check out all of Progress, uh, especially the recent one, Strong Style 31, uh, where, uh, or rather, Strong Style 16, rather. Uh, totally botched that one. Uh, That's okay. But, uh, yeah, Strong Style 16, uh, as part of that tournament, he was uh, fantastic at that tournament, had a ton of great matches. Uh, and so, uh, Tommy End is definitely somebody to be looking out for in WWE. He's got a unique look. And uh, you know, it's something no, different. He's got awesome kicks. He's 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 amazing. I think as the three we just talked about, Tommy Ann would be the more for me anyway would be the more exciting wrestler to see. Oh yeah, in the NXT. Oh I oh I agree. I mean, if if you see Tommy Ann wrestle, boy, he has got some stuff uh, behind him. Boy, can he yeah, wrestle? He made fat, he made Fat Chris Hero look amazing. Yes. By the way, <laughs> uh, the end. Uh, in NXT TakeOver. Do you think it relates to Tommy End? That's another rumor that could go over. I would love to see that. 
uh, where would he interfere? Maybe does it a show up thing where uh, Regal introduces him or whatever? But that would be that would be awesome. But I think uh, yeah, we think is like I don't know how over he is even with wrestling fans, huge wrestling fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, so I mean, I mean, even I don't even know if the NXT crowd's super knowledgeable with him. I don't know how you bring a guy in like that, but. I mean, if you if you have a if you have a good knowledge of the of the British Indies, especially, um, which uh, speaking of British Indies, we will be having Magnus uh, on next uh, for our interview. Um, oh, awesome! Yes, and uh, so uh, <clears throat> uh, in terms of British Indies, if you really follow the British independent scene, like uh, Progress, uh, ICW, RCW. which is which is Scottish, but you know British, whatever, um, UK. We'll, we'll get a bunch of angry letters from uh, Scott's people soon. That's right. Um, you know, ICW, uh, RevPro, uh, those kind of companies. Uh, I, I think you, you'll probably know who Tommy End is. Uh, even, even even if you follow uh, WXW in Germany, um, that you'll you'll definitely have an idea of uh, who Tommy End is. And for uh, sure, it is going to be a. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how WWE treats uh, Tommy End. Uh, when event when he does eventually make his debut, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. Coming up next, we will have our interview with uh, Magnus, also known as Nick Aldis. Uh, he is the current Global Force Wrestling Global Champion, and uh, he also wrestled TNA, former heavyweight champion there. We go in-depth on his time in TNA and uh, how he experienced uh, stuff in TNA. So uh, stay tuned for that. You're listening to Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. Hey, everybody. This is Nicholas, a.k.a. Magnus, and you're listening to Wrestling With Ideas. You're listening to the greatest wrestling show on the planet. This is Wrestling With Ideas. Welcome back to Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 1079, Ottawa's new music. Of course, I am Zach McGibbon. On the line with me, we have a former TNA World Heavyweight Champion and current Global Force Wrestling Global Champion. We have on the line with us Nick Aldis, formerly known as Magnus. How are you doing today, Nick? I'm doing good, Zach. Thanks for having me on. Hey, it's glad to have you on, and uh, just going to go through uh, the entirety of your career, uh, but first I want to start off uh, with your time when you first joined the business uh, in the British Indies, and uh, we've seen a big explosion of uh, British independent wrestling. How would you compare wrestling uh, in the British Indies during your time to where it is now? Um, Well, that's a good question. I think that certainly when I broke in, um, the, uh, the, the, the dominant the dominant um, company or brand or, you know, whatever you want to call it in Britain was all-star wrestling with Brian Dixon. Um, and obviously Brian had been a promoter for many years and incredibly successful and, and experienced. And he had, he had, a, he really had it sewn up. You know, he had like the contract with Butlins, which, you know, was a huge amount of live events back then. Like it was, the schedule was, you know, six days a week from about uh, February to about, of October-ish, like, and then um, he had established ties with a, a ton of the best venues in the country and stuff like that. Um, he, it's my understanding that he sort of wound down a little bit now, like he doesn't do as many, he's still doing some, um, which, you know, doesn't surprise me because Brian, you know, he, he's getting older and he probably doesn't want to be on the road all the time. Um, and then as far as the independents, you know, a lot of them were following suit from the more successful American independent promotions. It was sort of copying a lot of the things they were doing or, or being inspired by them. And then now I think you're seeing my generation of guys who decided to be promoters, you know, or producers as opposed to talent. You know, now you're seeing them 10 years, 11 years in, 
with that experience and talent, and now that's why you're getting some of the, the you know these these great independent promotions that are popping up and really making a big splash, like Rev Pro and Progress, and uh, you know, and, and different different places like that. Mm-hmm, absolutely, and uh, again, d- uh, during your time on the British Indies, was there any wrestler that really stuck out to you uh, when you were traveling the uh, Indies at that time? Uh, that stuck out to me in terms of someone who was going to be like a big star in the future, or someone who was yeah. who stuck out like as a great wrestler right now. Because uh, you know, obviously, uh, all of us you know looked up to Robbie Brookside um, quite a bit. And, you know, he was he was. I think he. I don't think he was really wrestling a full time schedule when I. By the time I came along, I think he was sort of picking and choosing his dates. But anytime he did show up, it was. You could just tell that. You know, he just he just understood it. You know, and he knew how to how to get the job done. Um, and then, I think, you know, the first like the, the group of guys or the or generation of guys that I was included in, even though I was much younger, was sort of like through. Wade Barrett, Seamus, a uh, guy called Barry who went on to be Mason Ryan for a little bit in WWE and, and stuff like that. And we were all kind of in the same bracket, even though I was like a few years younger than most of them. But we were all sort of green and learning as we went. So we were all sort of cutting our teeth, doing, you know, matches night after night. A lot of the time we'd be hidden in tags and stuff like that, sort of, you know, hide our weaknesses. Um, but I think that, gosh, you know, the, the ones who, um, who I remember seeing and thinking like wow you know he's like he's really something special uh i used to i used to be quite a big fan of johnny storm um i thought he was you know he he was one of the first guys to of the new sort of generation who got books sort of around the world and obviously doug williams like doug williams is the guy who we met you know he would come to help out with the school i trained at and stuff and we all knew he'd been to Ring of Honor and would go to Japan a lot. He was very, very well respected in Japan at that time, having a lot of success in Noah. So we were a lot of us were like, "Wow, you know, look at that! Like he's making real money, and you know, he's a star kind of thing." Mm-hmm. Um, so it was interesting then to you know fast forward a few years and then to be a tag partner. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when you were there's a lot of guys you were uh, trained by. Who would you say was the main trainer that helped uh, you in your wrestling career early on? Um, that's a tough one. I think, well, I broke in with the Knights, um, who, you know, most people are more familiar with now because of the success of their Dwarf page. Um, and certainly, you know, Paddy and Julia had a lot to do with me sort of learning the fundamentals, like, and, and the discipline sort of side of it in the sense that they would make you do a lot of conditioning stuff, you know, like they would make us do things like where we ran with people on our backs and, and the squats and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started going to drop kicks, uh, which is down south. And they they had a sort of they had a lot of different people would come in, which is a cool thing about that school. They had a lot of different people come in and teach different, like different stuff, different weeks. So um, honestly, like Doug probably taught me as much as anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a, there was an older guy called John Hall who was uh, his son was a wrestler and he had been he had been a, a good shoot, he was a shooter you know he was he was really more about like shoot wrestling he loved shoot submission stuff and was like a kind of throwback to those old kind of Billy Robinson sort of wrestlers and stuff but he he showed me a lot of stuff that was shoot stuff that that actually kind of really helped develop like a base knowledge of um, sort of general execution of things um, but I think that. I didn't really 
ton like better execution of stuff until I went to Harley Races camp and worked with with the guys there and Harley and the Japanese guys that were there helping out. And uh, we'll move over into your uh, start in TNA. How did uh, TNA first approach you about joining their company? Um, so this I told this story before. This uh, there was a magazine, or there is a magazine, I should say, with FSM in the UK that I still write for to this day. Um, they contacted me when I was doing Gladiators because uh, they wanted to interview me about, you know, being plucked from the UK indie scene obscurity to suddenly being like one of six guys on a national TV show. You know, it was it was a you know it was a pretty big deal. Like we were on all sorts of billboards and we were on like buses that you know we commercials running all the time and stuff like that. It was you know there was a lot of budget in the advertising of that, so it was a real real sort of overnight kind of celebrity um, to a degree. So I did an interview with them, and uh, I think like the, that that magazine that issue was the first one that had a TNA guy on the cover, so and it was AJ. Um, so because it was the first one where a TNA guy was on the cover, obviously like sixty and, and the guys at TNA uh, read it very thoroughly. They read through the whole thing, and then so she saw the article on me and basically contacted James, who was the editor there at the time, and said can you give me this guy's contact information? Like, we'd like to talk to him. And, uh, and that was pretty much how it went. Within a couple of, within a, a couple of weeks, I had signed a contract. Nice. And uh, when you joined TNA, uh, obviously with the Gladiator uh, stuff, you debuted as a modern-day Gladiator. Uh, how much influence did you have in that character of a Gladiator uh, when you were uh, in TNA? Zero. Zero? Zero. No. Uh, and, yeah. and I'm guessing uh, at the time, uh, Vince Russo was booking... Uh, for TNA, yep. uh, how, how much interaction did you have with Vince uh, while during your time in TNA? Early on, not much. <laughs> so that was kind of a problem with 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 the whole uh, modern day gladiator thing. Was that I, I didn't I didn't know anything about like the etiquette of and you know of, of backstage in a proper wrestling company and all that sort of thing. So I was just doing what we really what wrestling companies want, which is just to show up and be like a loyal soldier and be like, yep, I'll do whatever you want, you know. Um, which is not always necessarily the right thing to do. So I got there and I saw, like, they, they had me record these uh, these voiceovers and record this, these, like, vignettes in Nashville and stuff where I was, like, running the stairs at Vanderbilt and all this sort of stuff. And I um, I thought, oh, this is cool, you know. like this, this, It wasn't really clear, like, how I was going to be portrayed at that because it, I was just doing, like, athletic stuff. So I just thought, well, maybe they're just going to sort of portray me as, like, this young sort of upcoming athlete, you know. I was okay, fine. And then I got to uh, TVs, and I, I had asked, like, what should I, you know, do? And they said, oh, well, you you know, your gimmick is the modern-day gladiator, so you just, you know, go with that. So I, I had really no direction and wasn't given anything. I thought I just kind of, so I got, I got some stuff thrown together that I thought might fit, and then that was the first time I had a conversation with Vince was um, after I had had my first match. <laughs> And then he goes, oh, bro, bro, like, this looks, like, this isn't what I meant, this isn't what I was looking for at all, you know, like, this isn't what I wanted. And I was thinking, like, well, why did you let me go out there and do a match? You know, it, it, it was sort of a, I, I think Road Dog was the agent, I think Road Dog sort of said to me, like, well, you know, <laughs> welcome to the show kind of thing, like, this is, you know, you're going to get used to that. Because it was so weird, you know, I, it was it was my first match, I got, and no one had really told me what they wanted me to do, so I just sort of went out and did it, and then they were like, oh, we didn't want you to do that. Like, And then Vince, and then the next 
TV tapings like Vince had all this leather stuff made and that helmet and all that stuff. He had it all made for me. Um, and the whole time I just was, it wasn't until later where I sort of said, you know, my character on the show stood out because I was the only pro wrestler character. Like I was, I was doing everything except like the stoic kind of normal gladiator stuff. Like I was being like brash and like cutting promos and being like outrageous and running into the crowd and stuff. Like that's how I got over on that show. So it was, they clearly hadn't really watched it. Um, and it was only, it was only Kurt who finally said something like, haven't you seen this guy on like on that TV show? Like he's a really good promo. He cuts all these, he says all this real funny stuff and he's, you know, he's like, you're really good, like, off the cuff and can say all this stuff. You know, and Vince is like, oh, bro, like, you, you, I thought you were a gladiator. Like, this is, you know, this is what I wanted. And I, so it was just one of those things where they had just, you know, there was a bit of a miscommunication. Like, they'd heard the word gladiator and just thought that they meant, like, Russell Crowe. <laughs> so it was, um, yeah, it was it was a sort of a weird start. And then, they, luckily for me, I think they just realized, like, well, we didn't really get this right, so just scrap it before it becomes too um, burned into people's minds. So then that's when the British invasion came along. Mm-hmm. And I was just about to mention, going to jump ahead to the British invasion. Uh, would you say that was one of your more favorite gimmicks to work with while, during your time in TNA? Oh, I, I loved it, yeah. It was, you know, at the beginning, like, they, obviously I was really glad because it was a, a, a good reason to bring in Doug Williams, which I know they had been looking for a way to bring in Doug for a while, like, no knock on Doug at that time, but the the one the one sort of thing with Doug that most people thought was like, well, his personality might you know be a little bit might need a little work. Um, and he and he I think he would admit that too. I think it would be fair to say. His, his after that, his actually his promos and his uh, character work I think around like 2010 or 11 really goes unnoticed. I thought his promo work and stuff was excellent. But um, at the time, you know, he was considered this you know by everyone in the business like this. In, in, you know, impeccable wrestler, um, but difficult to think of a storyline for because he was a wrestler's wrestler. So this was a perfect opportunity to pair him up with me, who was very, very green, but had, you know, had a bit of personality and charisma. <laughs> so, you know, he could hide my weaknesses and I could hide his. Um, and then obviously it was a way to facilitate having Big Rob on our TV screens as well, you know, without having to do too much because as well was very very green at that time mm-hmm. it just worked yeah and uh i'm gonna jump ahead a little bit more i want to talk about tna's uh other project rinka king uh the uh promotion down in india how was your time with uh, rinka king and did you think uh, there was going to be any success behind it i loved rinka king I, I was so um we you know we were all so kind of in the dark about you know what to expect and we none of us really knew um what was going to happen with it or anything like that. And then we, it was such a good crew put together. And then we went to it, so it's such a blast. And like the production value was so good. Like the, the stage and the setup they put together there was so great. And the audience was rabid because they hadn't really seen much wrestling before. And it was just all around just a brilliant experience. It was like uh, those two weeks that we spent there filming that show were just like this really cool dream. It was just, you know, it was how, how we always imagined wrestling should be. And uh, when when Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff uh, joined TNA, what was your first initial reaction when you heard that they were jo- uh, joining the company? I remember it very clearly. We were sitting there in the AO house after a TV taping, and then it came out like 
Hogan and Bishop. And I remember thinking that it was going to be great. Like I really believed that like this was going to this was going to be the the I, you know I was and I'm sure which is what obviously I thought was obviously what Dixie obviously thought too. And I I really did think like this is going to be the thing that you know I'm on the, like I'm going to be part of a a new you know head to head kind of thing. I really thought that it could happen because and obviously I was younger and more naive but as well you have to remember during that time period when this when that deal went down you know these are the same guys and I won't name who but big like the most iconic names in the business had all buried TNA and said like what is TNA like I've never even heard of that like that's you know that place is that place is bullshit and then suddenly TNA was doing like 2 million viewers on Spike like we were doing I remember having a meeting in 2009 where Terry Taylor stood up in front of all the talent and said, hey, like, we're the highest rated show on Spike. We're averaging, like, a, a 1.4 or 1.5 or something, and the company is making profit. Like, everything's heading in the right direction, you know? So everyone keep doing what you're doing. Like, this is going great. You, just, to, just to make, by comparison, they're only, the, the, the height of TNA on Spike in 09 is only a few points off what SmackDown does now. So that's obviously where you know that that's where we were at. So it wasn't it wasn't like we were, it wasn't like a big pipe dream like a lot of people now like like to you know use revisionist history and say like oh god how could they how think that they had a chance but they weren't that far off smackdown ratings at that point. So a lot of us were starting to think like with a little with a few more tweaks here and there and like if we could maybe get out of Orlando and maybe get some arenas for TV and you know, a few things like that. Maybe we could, maybe we can, you know, really become like the solid number two. Like we were already number two, like easily. But you know, maybe we can be like a, a competitive number two. And that's obviously what Hogan and Bischoff and their people thought, along with the fact that hey, there's money to be made because, like, let's face it, like that's what they were all about, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, but that's the thing is that there was money there at that time, and um, you know, it's just a shame that. Uh, you know, no, no one's ever going to really know the full ins and outs of like what happened there. But I think that, from my point of view as a talent who was like up and coming at that time, I think a lot of guys like me were very like disappointed with their approach to our show. Like they treated a lot of us very like this has nothing to do with you. Like this is all because of us. And I think that there were a lot of us, including the audience, who felt like a little bit disrespected there because it was like, well, it was our work, you know, not so much mine, but like the Bobby Roods and the James Storms and the, you know, AJs and Joes and stuff like that who felt a little bit disrespected because it, and the audience because I think it was a thing where they basically all made out like we were just lucky to be where we were at and now we're going to take over and, you know, now now you just watch. Like, now you're going to be part of something really special and, uh, you know, and it was and a lot of stuff was just rehashed ideas. And I, I have a lot... I like Eric. I have respect for Eric. We didn't always get along then, but I was very young and dumb and didn't handle myself as well as I should have. I didn't really know what to do um, when, you know, when, when someone wasn't really sort of buying what I was selling as a boss, you know, because I'd only been used to Dixie, who was very positive towards me. So I probably could have been more proactive in the beginning, but I think, like, as time went on, you know, I started to develop a better 
understanding of how Eric operated um, and Hulk, you know, he when he finally he finally showed some interest in me when he saw the reactions I got in the UK. Like when I came out and got arguably the biggest reaction of the night in Manchester and stuff in like 13, I think like that was the first time where he started really paying attention to what I was doing and like pulling me aside and going, hey, you should do this and think about this and this is going great. Mm -hmm. So I think their intentions were good, but unfortunately, like, I don't don't know. I'm sure sure that everyone's going to have their own version of it, but my impression of the talent was that they were happy to take uh, you know, their big paydays um, and weren't necessarily that concerned about the long-term future of the company. Mm-hmm. And uh, would you, is there any uh, sort of backstage situations that you would say that really stood out to you saying these guys that are now here are, you know, they, they, they're just kind of looking for the paycheck or, or whatever? No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, they they really kept to themselves. They were I think in the beginning that was a lot of it was that I don't know whether it's just that Eric is not necessarily the most uh, gregarious guy in the you know when you first get to know him like he he's a little guarded and I and I think that's you know a lot we had weeks of maybe didn't get along as great as we could have in the beginning because we're kind of similar in that respect like it takes me a little while to like warm up to someone and I think he was a bit like that too so I think a lot of guys were just kind of like what does this guy think he is? He just walks around like he owns the place. And, it, and I don't think he means to do that, but that that's kind of how it came across. And then Hulk, just, he's hes such a, 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 you can't understand this about Hulk, but he's such a bigger star than anybody else that he he's constantly surrounded by people. You know, he's one of those people that just, he's got a team around him at all time. Uh, and, um, it's just hard when you when you're that famous like a Hulk Hogan to to really sort of develop relationships with people. So I think he you know he just did what he had to do, which is show up, and he's used to everybody kind of kissing his ass. Like, and I mean that in a nice way, like because he's Hulk Hogan. You know, you're in the business like that. He basically was the biggest force behind Vince McMahon in in creating the modern version of it. So you're kind of standing there going like, "Hey, Hulk, like, what did you think?" Like, it's it's really hard to develop a serious kind of rapport with him mm-hmm. uh, I remember like Kevin Nash once said like because Kevin was very good to me like that's an example of a guy who, who will you know be still super relatable and, and very cool and like and very helpful and, and, and just compassionate and articulate so I, we had we were having a conversation once over some beers about the differences between Hulk and Austin and not you know not an opinionated thing just, just kind of like just, just comparing the two and this and that and I remember like Kev saying, you know, I've walked through the airport with both of them. And walking through the airport with Hulk is like walking through the airport with Mickey Mouse. And I, you know, and I remember thinking that, like, that, that you know, that is, a, he, he made that decision to be, like, that larger-than-life, like, persona, and now he's, you know, no privacy, and, like, a, you know, he always looks like Hulk Hogan when he walks out the door, like, he's part of that era, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's just a, it's just a different different era a different breed of guy and that's why he was you know that's why he's so successful and why he was such a big name and you know that's why unfortunately like he lived his, lived his life in a fishbowl so obviously we're seeing like the the negative side of that now where you know your privacy is you know is not really yours anymore when you get that famous mm-hmm. absolutely and uh i want to talk about the uh, aces and eights storyline uh how how would you describe that storyline and being involved with it um, 
think a lot of, I said, in some ways, I was partly responsible for it. And I don't mean that, I mean that very, very vaguely. Because mm. I remember going to Eric with a suggestion for the show. Not for me, just for the show in general. And I said, have you ever thought about uh, doing like a, a recap BT at the beginning of the show? like you see on, like, Ray Donovan or Sons of Anarchy or, you know, and I said Sons of Anarchy because I knew they were big fans of that show and loads of the boys were big fans of that show at the time. And I said, look, I said, Eric, you know, we've got a two-hour show. I understand where you're coming from. You've got all of these talent that that are constantly asking you, can I have a segment, can I have a segment, like, what, you know. You can't fit them all in every week. But if you want all of these storylines to stay relevant and to be meaningful, you know, why don't you do like they do on those shows that have tons of tons of storylines all going at once? And when, let's say, for example, when my, if, if I'm off TV for a couple of weeks, when my storyline comes back on TV, why not run a, 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 a VT at the beginning of the show going previously on Impact Wrestling, where it, they sh- you, know, you show all the relevant things to re- refresh people you know, for, the, for the angles they're about to see this week? And he was like, that's a really good idea. That's great. I can't believe I didn't think of that. Like, that's brilliant. You know, like we're constantly saying like how hard it is to keep the angles going, you know, without giving everybody TV time. Like, that's, that's great. Like, good idea. He goes, and then he turns and he goes, you watch Sons of Anarchy? I go, it's fantastic. He goes, all right, that's, that's it. I'm going to watch it. Like, you know, everyone's been saying about how great it is. Like, that's it. I'm going to have to give this thing a watch. And then like, <laughs> I just remember like a few months later, we saw this, you know, we saw like the, the whole eights and eights thing come together and we sort of went, oh no, like it's, Exactly like Sons of Anarchy. Like, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I've never been a, uh, this is my personal taste. I've never been a huge fan of stuff that's like a blatant kind of, um, I don't want to use the word rip off because that's not really fair, but like, you know, a, a blatant kind of tribute to something, um, that closely. You know, I don't mind the stuff that's inspired by or this and that. Like, if someone wanted to wear a cut and all that kind of thing, like, that's fine. But when you create a whole group and then, like, they were saying some of the same stuff. And I think, like, for us, I think the thing that was the, the thing that stood out on us, like, none of them rode a motorcycle. You know, we did, they didn't have any bikes. Uh, and then in, in many ways, it was just very reminiscent of the NWO kind of storyline, the invading group wants to take over the company, you know, double crosses and stuff like that. And, and uh some people like that stuff. Like it wasn't up to it's not up to me, you know, I don't have to like everything on the show to, to for it to work. And I don't I don't know if it did or didn't. I, you know, it, it's hard to I think that's part of the problem with TNA sometimes is that they didn't necessarily have a measuring unit to decide whether something was successful or not. They just kinda of had to be if it was, you know, and, and they did sometimes it's hard to because house shows, you know, it was hard to you know, it's hard to decipher whether something was successful or not based on house shows and like ratings were pretty much staying as they were no matter what he did. Um, and that's where I think, like, the bigger problem really came from people paying way too much attention to, like, Twitter and, like, the online community. Like, I've always I've always spoken up quite heavily about that. I always thought that was a mistake. <laughs> and uh, another question here. Uh, your time as TNA World Heavyweight Champion, uh, how it, did you enjoy your time as, as the champion, or did you find it very uh, uneventful uh, throughout your uh, reign? I enjoyed being I enjoyed being champion, you know, for the same reason that most guys do, I guess. Like it's a it's a great um, <laughs> honor of you know honor. It's a sort of representation of your work, uh, you know, that you've you've earned it. And I I'd, I'd been there five years at that time. Um, 
the circumstances were difficult. Uh, I got a concussion on the day I won the title, and then it tied in with AJ leaving, which turned out to be a hugely sort of detrimental kind of uh, moment for, for TNA and the fans, you know, and I think that the last fact that that was sort of in many ways was a final kind of straw for some fans. You know, we Hulk and Eric, that Hulk Eric sort of era had, had driven away some, you know, who were loyal to us. And then this new era, like kind of by, by not being able to keep AJ and kind of his exit the way it was, like, like drove away some more. It just became like a very dark, so it's a dark period of, of the of the history, and I unfortunately got kind of thrown in with that bathwater. I think in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't necessarily handle it the right way. You know, I was I was because I knew I, like I could you could just feel this pressure all the time and this sort of this many eyeballs and you know, all this criticism and stuff. And even though it wasn't necessarily directed at me, it was still my stuff, and I took the responsibility as a champion. To, you know, to, but here's I will say this: a lot of people. I heard someone recently on, on the podcast say, oh, well, when AJ left, like, that was the beginning of the end for TNA. And I argue that point because I take see, I take that as a sort of professional hit because I argue that point. And I would say, if you check the ratings and the house show attendances uh, in general, when I was the champion, they actually maintained and even went up a little bit when I had the title. It was only after I lost the title that the ratings started to decline and how show attendances started to drop off again and the ratings in the UK especially took a huge hit and I've never really spoken about that but I know that to be true and I think that you know this is again because of the emphasis on like internet you guys who appeal more to that sort of internet audience they like to revisit you know the history and say oh well after AJ left it was the beginning of the end but Actually, in terms of business, um, it was actually doing pretty good with, with me as a guy. Like, it was, you know, it was, I would argue the fact that later on was when things started to go south after I was removed from that picture. And I'm not saying that I was the only reason for that, but I'm sure, but I'm just saying that that was, that was the way it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, last uh, feud you we were in with uh, TNA uh, was with James Storm. Uh, that feud certainly created uh, a lot of uh, interest around it for whatever uh, reasons uh, you may feel. Uh, what were your thoughts on the entire feud with James Storm and having uh, your wife, Mickey James, be involved with it? So there had been times before where they tried to get me and Mickey to do an angle together, and we had said no. Um, it just... There was, you know, Mickey at that time was a huge baby face and was, you know, arguably the the biggest baby, you know, in many ways, like one of the biggest draws that TNA had at that time. This was this was like when she first came in, like uh, 2010 or 11 or something. We started dating pretty soon after she arrived, and uh, there was there was a there was a suggestion very early on, like, hey, what? And I, and I just said, no, that wouldn't that wouldn't be any good for her career, like, and it wouldn't be any good for mine because I hadn't really done anything yet, and I'm a heel. She's one of the biggest baby faces you have, that doesn't make any sense. Like, all it's going to do is it's going to take away, it's going to, I'm going to lose my heat and she's, and then she's going to lose some of her baby face shine because they're going to go, you're dating this guy? You know, he's an asshole. So, I, I didn't really see the benefit to either character. So we, we politely sort of suggested that it wasn't necessarily the right thing to do. And and this was Vince, and Vince was always contrary to what people might think. 
Vince was always very open to discuss this stuff, and Vince was like, "Yep, I understand that. Okay, cool. Like I was, I you know, I just thought that you might be interested. I thought it might be a cool way to." And so he was saying it to me. You know, he was he was trying to do me a favor. He was like, "I thought it might be a cool way to get you on TV," and I was like, "Because I, I don't think it's the right way." You know, I said. When it came around, it came around one more time. I think Bruce Pritchard might have suggested it. I can't remember the circumstances, but again, we, I don't, I don't remember how that went. But we, it was, I think it was sort of a number of different options, and one of them was that, and we kind of said, I don't think so. I don't remember for sure. I could be wrong. And then when it did finally come up, obviously things were different. You know, I had, I had been the champion. I had proven myself to, you know, to, to be like a, a more important talent for the company and, and like I sort of established feuds with different people and this and that, like, you know, and I would, and, and I had proven that I had drawing capability, especially in the UK uh, and Europe. So I was, I was more open to it because now I felt like at least in terms of the TNA audience, it was an even playing field. Like it wasn't going to be, Oh, you're riding your wife's coattails, you know, but that, so then when we did it that way, it was fine. Um, and I love the angle. I mean, you know, we we used Mickey in the angle with Bram too, and that was, you know, that, that's the thing people forget, and it and it and it uh, parlayed into the angle with James. And we, lo- I loved the angle with James. Like, I get irritated when I see like these headlines that misquoted what I said, I, where it said, "Oh, he hated the angle with, you know, Mickey and James." But no, I didn't know. That makes me seem really ungrateful to TNA. I loved the angle. We just didn't, you know, the the train thing just didn't work. Like, it's absolutely the filler is to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like, well, why do we want to keep dwelling on it? Like, it, it, Katie Vick didn't work. You know, uh, you know, a million other things didn't work. But it's it's not. It's certainly not this thing to. I don't think it's this thing to just keep sort of harping on about. It was just one thing. Like, if the only thing that was frustrating about it was that we had him up to that point and then we lost him. You know, and it was just, you know, you got to try these things sometimes. Big was in charge, and you know he is still in charge. And he—it was one of those situations where we all suggested alternatives. We didn't really like that idea, but he's in charge, and he—and he decided like I want to stick with this one. I think it will work. And you have to do that sometimes when you're the boss. You know, you have to like, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have told Vincent Mann that WrestleMania One wasn't a very good idea, and they said, "Oh, you're gonna, you know, this is too risky," and blah blah blah. But he decided to do it. Yeah, and obviously, this is about totally different circumstances, but. You know, sometimes you have to, if you're going to be the leader, if you're going to be the guy in charge, sometimes you do have to stick to your, you know, to your idea and go with it, whether it works or not. Absolutely. And uh, so just two uh, quick questions. Uh, One, uh, how was your time uh, in Global Force Wrestling at the uh, Las Vegas tapings? The, 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 as soon as I finished up with with TNA, and we finished up very amicably, like, basically, I left because of money. You know, they, they weren't going to be able to, I had an option year in my deal, um, you know, that, that took my money up to a certain level, and they just weren't going to be able to to honor it. And I said, "Well, if you can't if you can't honor it, or you can't honor what I make now, you know, then I, I need to move on because you have to either advance financially or creatively. And you know, I, I had advanced creatively as much as I could." Uh, you know, and I just felt like if I wasn't going to be rewarded financially, and I'm not, you know, this isn't a knock on them. Like, they couldn't afford it at the time. They were struggling. So I just said, let's just pick hands and, and part ways. Like, it, it needs to be done, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a nice 
thing, you know, it wasn't like I remember, you know, after having that conversation, like there were tears, you know, from from numerous, like from a number of people. Like it was, it's never an easy thing. Um, but Jeff obviously had his thing going. Jeff had been good to me. He had he had spoken up for me uh, before when he was still part of TNA. He had he had uh, he booked and, and ran Rinker King and obviously used and obviously you know. He had had me there and made me be a champion there and stuff. So, you know, he had been the one to almost in many ways go to TNA and go, look, you're, you're missing the boat with this guy. You know what I mean? Like, give him a shot. Um, so I felt a degree of loyalty to Jeff in that respect. So he called me and we talked and, like, you know, he, there's no contract there. It's just a handshake and that's, and that's the way it was and that's the way it is now. Like, I'm just an independent contractor and in many ways I'm, I'm really a part-time wrestler now because I'm focused more on my entrepreneurial stuff, um, you know, because I don't think wrestling is paying what it should be paying. <laughs> so I'm, you know, as far as GFW goes, like I, I wish them all the success in the world. I hope that they can get a a good platform to show their shows that they did in Vegas because the production value was great, the audiences were really good, um, and the talent they used was fantastic. You know, and Jeff obviously has a good eye for talent because. Just, you know, just since those tapings, you know, you've got Bobby Roode, who's, you know, who's looks like he's going up north, and then you've got uh, the Bullet Club were part of that. You know, Carl and Drew, you know, were, were part of that show. Um, EJ Black, you know, Justin Gabriel, he was part of those shows. So it's like, you know, clearly you can see that Jeff, you know, has uh, a good eye for talent. So it'd be interesting if they can get those shows somewhere so people can see it because it looks cool and like there was some you know and there's some talent that you haven't seen yet. So you know I, I hope that people I just hope people get to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like what else happened to it, like I don't know, but you know they know where I am, you know, uh, and maybe we'll work together some more. I don't know. Okay, and uh, one last uh, quick question. Uh, you've got a uh, new book coming out, uh, The Superstar Body, or ab- well, it actually, or it's actually out now, uh, rather. Um, and you mentioned uh, during that time that wrestling's not really paying enough, but if WWE ever came to you and said, we want you to be part of NXT or their roster, especially with the brand split coming up, uh, would you be interested in their offer? I would be interested to talk to them, yeah. Like, I, it, that... that um there's, you know, I, I can't really divulge too much, but there's been there's been a couple of conversations over the years, and then it didn't materialize. It doesn't seem doesn't seem to be on the cards right now. But in you know, in many ways, uh, I I don't mean to say that wrestling isn't paying well enough. Like in in this, you know, it, as a knock to anyone, it's just business is down. And at the end of the day, I'm I'm a businessman, and I, I've been really more excited about what I've been doing, um, you know, on an entrepreneurial level, like for a while now. So wrestling is, wrestling has obviously been my passion for a long time. It's been my career for 11 years. Who knows what's going to come up in the future. Obviously I would always be open to that stuff, but it has to, it has to be right on every level. And I think that I wish more guys would have a a healthier approach to it um, in terms of money rather than just think like I have to, I have to be around, I have to be a wrestler on TV. I have to be, I have to have a spot, you know, um, because that gets exploited, you know. And unfortunately, when you, like, when you like me, you've been to places like Japan and Mexico and stuff, but just just on short term basis. But then every time you have a con, you know, have contact again, it's like, oh, now they're only paying this much, and now this, you know, I know this. I know last year you got paid this, but like this time we can only pay this. 
you know, that's not because of that. That's just because there are too many guys who are accepting that. You know what I mean? And so it's um, it, it, it's a it's a it's a weird time for the business. I hope that something comes along that kicks everything back in in terms of the states because the states really lead the way. But uh, I'm I'm always open to anything. You know, you never really know what's going to happen. Absolutely. And uh, uh, you've got the new uh, book, as I mentioned. Uh, where can people find uh, the new Superstar Body book? So um, it's, it's available for all, really, all major outlets. But I would prefer if you went to superstarbodybook.com. Um, you know, you can, you can, it's available on all major e-readers. You can download, you can, you know, you can download it, you can buy it. You can go to superstarbodybook.com, all one word, uh, and uh, you can order a signed copy. I'll send you a signed copy. And also, uh, I have a really cool um, newsletter that I just started a couple of weeks ago, like where I'm going to be sending out more details, other things that we couldn't include as much of in the book. Um, the book has guys like Tur Angle and different people like that, uh, you know, have offered some contributions to it. But like uh, the newsletter will have questions with other guys. Like, for example, I just profiled a guy called Martin Stone, who was Danny Burch in NXT. Like, he's really got into great shape this year. And, like, he was a guy who always kind of struggled with, with his body. He was just a little, like a, a little more on the tubby side. And, like, he's really, you know, and I thought, well, maybe people would be interested to hear what he's been doing to change that and stuff. So you can subscribe to the newsletter. It's absolutely free. Like, there's, there's, not, there's no spam and nothing like that. It's, uh, and I just send stuff out when there's something interesting to share and, you can do all that through through the website, superstarbodybooks.com. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks again, Magnus. For all your raw reviews, wrestling interviews, and opinions, this is Wrestling With Ideas. Welcome back to Wrestling With Ideas, and uh, hopefully uh, people enjoyed that interview with Magnus. We will have the full interview up uh, on the uh, podcast edition if you are not listening to it already and uh let's go to our question master simon zimmerman he sent in a question and his question was as as usual of course he is the question master and uh his question was how would you feel about teddy lawn managing smackdown come mid-july uh i'll take this first i don't like that i think it's just that's like a joke of themselves right i know that's why they did that on monday it's like a parody of it you know like it's yeah they're like making fun of themselves that he was once the smackdown gm because wouldn't they just have shane or stephanie whoever decided to do that you know what i mean yeah exactly i think that that's the idea right but mm-hmm. i i don't uh i def or teddy could be like a a hand or like just an assistant but I want Shane to be the main face, and I think if you want ratings on SmackDown, Shane's your guy. Yeah, and, and I agree with you on that. I think Shane should be the guy for SmackDown. Uh, I, I, again, I agree with you. I think Teddy Long should be in some sort of like on TV, maybe an advisor role or something like that. Um, but 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 to me, what it seems like is they're just bringing former GMs from the past and uh, just promoting the fact that they're doing the brand split again. And uh, with I bet that, you will though, see Bischoff. I was just going to say, with uh, Bischoff's got a new DVD out, and I'm sure yeah. they want to promote that DVD, I'm sure that Bischoff is willing to be on WWE television to uh, promote that. And sure. uh, if Stephanie... And when if, is that out, too? Is that July or August? I think it's out already. I think it's out right what? now. I'm not too sure. You're lying. I, I'm not You're lying. You're a liar. I am not a liar. I, I'm not too sure. I, I'll I'll check up on it after the show. Okay. Um, check up on your life. Um, are you checking right now? 
I'm checking out right now. Yeah, my internet's really slow. I'm in a library naked. So. All right. So, um, but uh, yeah, I think Bischoff could show up. And if obviously McMahon, Stephanie McMahon was the only one that was there uh, this week. If uh, Shane McMahon ends, ends up being the only one there next week and you have Bischoff with him, ooh boy, that could be really something. Ooh boy. <laughs> ooh boy. You're the nerdiest I'm mark sorry. in the world. I am the nerdiest mark in the world. <laughs> That's why I started a wrestling radio show. That is true. You started this, this whole thing. Oh yeah. Oh well. Of course. Bad. Of course. Of course. Uh, with some help from Mr. Will Macklin. Um, from the help. Wrestling with ideas, episode, Rich. Yeah, it was good. So uh, again, for anyone that wants to uh, listen to previous archived episodes of the show, check out wrestlingwithideas.podbean.com. We've got previous episodes on there. Again, our full interview with uh, Magnus, Nick Aldis, uh, will be up there. And uh, also, full interviews with Dan Severin, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, Jake the Snake Roberts. Your interview, Mick Foley, is also on there. Uh, a whole Ooh, bunch of great classic. interviews. Yeah, your interview. Um, so uh, a whole bunch of stuff on there and more. Next week we will be having Tito Santana on the show. That is going to be a fun one. What? Yeah, WWE Hall of Famer, two-time Intercontinental Champion, two-time Tag Team Champion. That is going to be fun. And, uh, again, check us out on uh, WrestlingWithIdeas.Pobby.com. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Player FM. So go ahead and check us out. If you like what you hear, leave a like on Facebook at Wrestling With Ideas and follow us on Twitter at Wrestling Capital W Ideas and send us messages letting us know that you liked it. If you don't like us, send us messages and let us know that you don't like us and we will happily ignore them. Uh, yeah, for sure. And uh, one last quick thing. Uh, for those that missed it, we had the Great North Wrestling broadcast. Uh, I got to be a play-by-play commentator again. Uh, for that one, Hannibal's going to be releasing uh, YouTube videos of the matches with my commentary on them, uh, as well as my color commentator, Cheeky. So you can check that stuff out on Hannibal that TV. Guy sucks, by the way. Sorry? He sucked at his job? Oh, no, he didn't. He was great. He wasn't good. He uh, wasn't as good as well, me, though. You see, Will, Will was the color commentator last time we did a Great North Wrestling show, and he's a little right. bit jealous. Right, who guessed who didn't get all the YouTube videos? Uh, yeah, you did. Maybe if you weren't so controversial on commentary, maybe that none of this would have happened. Oh, I say a couple N-words, and I'm, a, I'm the bad guy. <laughs> okay, well, let's not go too far now. Let's not go too far now. Um, but, yeah, check that stuff out. Uh, it's, again, will be on Hannibal TV, on uh, YouTube. We'll have the uh, matches there. I was also a backstage interviewer for him as well, so you can check that stuff out. Are you just bragging right now? I am, just, I am bragging right now. You're on the line. Might as well. Get, I've got a shoot. i got a microphone in front of me. Might as well take this time to do a shoot promo. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, check all that stuff out. It's... Uh, it's pretty good, I'd say, uh, but well, you could be probably. the ju- you could be the judge of that. Um, <laughs> but uh, again, more cool stuff there. If people are enjoying these great North Wrestling broadcasts, we'll look to try and maybe expand to some other broadcast, and uh, we'll see what we could do there. So let us know what you thought of them, and uh, yeah, we'll keep going on there. But again, keep on checking out Wrestling with Ideas again. New time every Wednesday at five o'clock p.m. on CKDJ 107.9. Ottawa's new music. Until then, guys, have a good one. You have just listened to the greatest wrestling show on the planet. Keep updated with everything going on with Wrestling With Ideas by following us on Twitter or leaving a like on the Wrestling With Ideas Facebook page. Listen to archived episodes of the show on Podbean and the Podbean app. 
or take a listen on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Player FM. We will be back next week to wrestle with ideas.